speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. According to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Over 500 years ago, the Great Reformation occurred as that no-name German monk from that small town of Wittenberg published those 95 theses. 95 statements against the abuses in the Roman Catholic Church of that day and age. But what did Martin Luther oppose so greatly? What stirred him up to write these 95 statements, these 95 theses? Well, Luther went after the incorrect doctrine of purgatory and this idea that you could pay money to spring grandpa and grandma from the threats of purgatory. He went after the false preachers who spiritually abused faithful parishioners. Luther also criticized an incorrect view of good works in the church. He went after the unethical uses of finances with those in religious authority. And then he attacked the heresies spoken by bad preachers. But perhaps, perhaps what was his biggest assertion was his assertion that the church needed to follow Jesus, even if it would bring the church suffering and pain, as well as the church needing to learn about what true repentance actually is, and to boot, their very false doctrine concerning the Pope himself. Now, it might be easy, though, for us to think that Luther was mainly advocating to fix a bunch of bad morals, a bunch of bad practices and ethics in the Roman Catholic Church. While we must admit and say that it is certainly true that Luther was indeed fighting against some bad ethics in the church at that time, it would be better for us to understand that Luther was fighting to reform not mainly morals, but mainly, get this, doctrine. You see, when those 95 theses were published, Martin Luther was seeking to discuss, to debate, doctrine. Yes, doctrine. And as you know, doctrine is the teaching of Christ, and it's the teaching of the Holy Church. And so, to the point, when you have bad ethics in the church, bad practice, more often than not, it is tied back to bad doctrine. And bad doctrine, well, as you know, it does not lead to freedom. Indeed, it does not lead to freedom, but it leads to slavery. It leads to bondage and division in the church. Our reading from the Gospel of John 
brings this truth to light to us when Jesus says this. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And so, and so, with those words of Jesus, we actually learned this morning that freedom is not found in the reformation of morals and policies and practices, our works and our lives. But instead, freedom is found in the word of Christ, the word of truth, that being Jesus himself. In other words, while it is good to have good morals and good policies and good practices, good works, and a good life, no doubt about that, that's good. The point that's being made is a person can have it all nice and neat and still be in slavery, still be in bondage itself. Hear this loud and clear. Freedom, freedom for the Christian is not in the actions and the conduct of our lives, but freedom it's in Christ, Christ Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul, indeed, this is why the Apostle Paul in Romans says this. He says that the mind that is set on the flesh, that sinful nature, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God. The point being, thinking wrong doctrine that is not of Christ leads to thinking wrongly about Christ and wrongly about God and wrongly about our neighbor. False doctrine divides, it disables, it fractions the church, it imprisons mankind. Now, dear friends, I cannot emphasize this strongly enough. False doctrine impacts everything in the church. If we get doctrine wrong, well, we teach other people wrongly, we react to situations wrongly, and our practices, they become wrong as well. It all falls apart. And then to boot... And to boot, bad doctrine will create bad policies and bad rules and so forth. It's like a big domino effect. And so wrong doctrine leads to wrong morals and wrong works and a wrong life. How can we expect freedom when there's only bad doctrine? But here's the catch. Here's the catch. We can actually embrace some good doctrine, but as soon as we combine good doctrine with bad doctrine... When they mix, everything becomes polluted. What do you get? Consider this for a moment. It's crass, but true. What do you get when you take and mix very good vanilla ice cream with stinky manure when you mix the two? Well, obviously, you just get a bunch of stinky manure. That is how it works with doctrine. Only a little bit of yeast will leaven the whole lump. In the church, to the point, in the church, the church has historically embraced good doctrine to a certain extent. However, that good doctrine is often felt as if it were lacking or insufficient and not good enough. Consider the ancient Jews in Galatia. They indeed wanted Jesus, ah, but they wanted their heritage, their circumcision, their dietary laws, the tradition of the elders, and so forth. Rome, Rome wants Jesus and penance, and saints, and satisfaction, and merits, and relics, and even a pope to boot. Modern evangelical Christians, they want Jesus, but they also want mystical experiences, passion, small groups, individualism, and pious experiences. What about those big box non-denominational churches? 
They want Jesus, and they want loud bands. They want 10-step sermons on a better marriage and 40 days to become a better you. The Pentecostals, they want Jesus, and they want signs, they want miracles, they want speaking in tongues, they want warm fuzzies after the service. Mark this. Wanting more than the word and the teaching of Jesus is actually wanting something more than Jesus, that he is somehow insufficient and so when we attempt to add nice little things to Jesus to make Jesus better, well, we're dumping manure in the ice cream dispenser, we're ruining good doctrine, we're trampling on the Son of God. But Jesus, he won't, he won't let you and me go this way. Jesus, he won't let you and me go this way. He doesn't want us to exchange good doctrine for bad doctrine. And he also does not want us to pollute this good doctrine with bad doctrine. Furthermore, we also have to be soberly clear on this point that when we reform morality, when we reform works, when we reform our feelings and our piety and our programs and our policies and so forth, even though this may be good, well, we are actually not doing much except perhaps giving the illusion that we can save ourselves. That is why you and I, as well as the people of the 16th Reformation, Century Reformation, did not need to only reform their morality and practice and actions. Instead, they also needed, get this, to repent. They needed to repent. For, for when the Lord himself, indeed, for when the Lord, ourself, the Lord himself, our Savior Jesus Christ, said this, repent, well, his wish his wish of the Christian was that the whole life of a Christian would be one of repentance. You see, the people of the 16th century, they needed to repent of bad theology. Bad theology that got them into the pickle in the first place. And dear friends, the same thing is necessary for you and me today. You and I. We need to repent of our bad theology. We need to repent of our false assumptions. We need to repent of our inflated ego, repent of our pride, repent of our self-righteousness. We need to repent of everything we think, say, and do. We need to beat our chest, repenting and saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Baptized saints, <clears throat> baptized saints, think of it this way. A slave does not need to remodel his prison cell. A slave does not need to spruce up his prison cell with some nice charming and clean paint, perhaps some nice decorations on the wall, a nice plush Martha Stewart area rug. <laughs> no, a slave does not need to decorate his prison. He needs to be liberated. Captives need to be set free from their prison cells. A slave in a million-dollar prison cell is, at the end of the day, still a slave. That is why. That is why there is really no difference between the people of the 16th Reformation and us. You see, back some 500 years ago, the Pope and indulgences and all those silly games, they could not liberate. They could not liberate them. And the same thing is true for you and me today. We cannot free ourselves by reforming our morals, by reforming our policies, by reforming our good works, by trying to add something else to Jesus to somehow obtain freedom. All of this monkey business we do does not obtain freedom. It's only through Jesus and Jesus alone, through the good doctrine of Christ and his word, that you are free, that we are free. Baptized saints, Jesus' word, 
gives you freedom because it is good doctrine. In good doctrine of Jesus and his word, we're blessed with the gifts of Jesus' birth, the declaration of Jesus' baptism, Jesus' righteous life, his supper, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. All of this he did for you. All of this is done so that you can be free from the sting of death, from the fear of God's wrath and the condemnation of sin. All of this he did for you so that you can be free through and through as a sheer gift. And so, as we celebrate the Reformation this day, as we see all the abuses and the reforms that were addressed during the 16th century, we again, we again understand that it was not primarily a reformation of morals and ethics, but a reform of bringing the church back to the doctrine of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins alone. In fact, I will be so bold to say that on this side of eternity, in this veil of tears that we live, before the great eschaton, in the here and now, that we will never have complete and total reform of morality and ethics in this life which is why we must never, which is why we must never stop repenting and being forgiven in Christ. But the word and doctrine of Christ? Ah, the word and doctrine of Christ? Christ and his word are the sure and true foundation, the true foundation that we must learn to live under and by. Not to earn salvation, but to remain free. To remain free indeed to remain alive by Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working through the Word. Martin Luther once commented on this. He was talking about two other reformers during that time, Wycliffe and Huss, who did not really succeed with the Reformation. And he said this about Wycliffe and Huss. Luther said this, Wycliffe and Huss, they fought merely against the life of the Pope. That is why they did not attain their purpose. For they were sinners, just as the papists were. But I attacked the doctrine, the false doctrine. With this weapon of the doctrine, I defeated them. For this matter does not concern life and morals. It concerns doctrine. Indeed, doctrine is the teaching of Christ. Where the teaching of Christ is right, there will be right life leading to right morals and right works that spring forth from right faith. Get the doctrine right, and you get Christ right. Get Christ right, and you get forgiveness right. You get life right. You get salvation right. All is a free gift given by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone. So, baptized saints of St. Paul's, chins up. We lift up our chins. We smile with a little bit of glee. This Reformation Sunday is a gift to us to remind us to lift our chins so that we may remain, so that we may abide, and we may stay free, my friends, in Jesus and his word, which are all for you, full stop, period. In the name of your freedom, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. 
You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you. I